Hello, and welcome to this latest edition of Are We There Yet? The Project Edward 2022 podcast series. My name's James Luckhurst, and this week, as the countdown timer approaches zero, the batteries of the road trip cars are charged, and the finishing touches are made to a series of events across the country, we're very pleased to welcome two special guests to the studio. Chief Constable Joe Shiner, Rhodes Policing Lead for the National Police Chiefs Council, and Ruth Purdy, OBE, Chief Executive of UK ROWED, the organisation overseeing the suite of education courses offered to drivers and riders as an alternative to prosecution for some motoring offences. I spoke to Jo Shiner, first of all, pointing to her new strategy with its emphasis on changing minds, something you may remember from the Project Edward 2022 theme, by the way. Why, I asked, was there this emphasis? So the reason why I think it's really important for us to change minds is that if we can't change people's minds, I think it's virtually impossible to change people's behaviour. We have to allow people to be able to see what the consequences of their own choices are uh, when they choose to do the wrong thing. Drink driving is a really good example, drug driving, and of course driving with excess speed. So for me, the whole element of trying to encourage people to take responsibility, not just when they're behind the wheel, but before they get behind the wheel, is really important. That's why the changing minds part of the strategy should drive everything else that we do. And yes, there are probably fewer roads policing vehicles uh, on the roads. What I would say, though, is that whilst we can't be everywhere, we could be anywhere. uh, And there is increasing use of uh, unmarked uh, roads policing vehicles, uh, because we know that actually, particularly with elements such as mobile phone usage and other driving crimes, Uh, that is a really good way in order to catch those people who offend and potentially could kill people on the roads. Of course, as the lead for roads policing and as a chief constable, I would always want there to be an increase in terms of road policing resources, but there's also a reality to that. So I think it's really important and incumbent on us to recognise how we change the minds, how we change the the, uh, behaviours, whilst also making sure that we're doing as much as we possibly can to increase the enforcement opportunities. Ruth Purdy, you are um, Chief Executive of, of UK ROWED, the organisation oversees delivery of the courses some drivers can take as an alternative to prosecution for speeding and other offences. So do these courses work? Let's think of the behaviour change element. And, and assuming you say yes, what, what evidence backs that up? Well, I would say uh, yes, definitely. Uh, they do make a difference. Um, and in terms of evidence, James, in 2018, There was a Maori report. Um, They consulted with millions of records and 23% of those records um, unequivocally said, uh, and these are returns from drivers who've been on our courses, that their behaviour will change as a direct result of that course intervention. We call it a course, but we must never forget it's an alternative to a criminal justice outcome. And what we can do is present the evidence ask people to question their behaviour, reflect on their behaviour, but it is down to them to change their own behaviour. And that's why um, that phrase and vision of changing minds is key, because people must want to see the necessity to change their minds. But not being complacent, we mustn't rest on that 2018 report. Uh, My own board, uh, supported by the Road Safety Trust, commissioned a three-year piece of work by the Transport Research Laboratory, again into millions of drivers um, and their 
uh, impact of attending the courses. And we're looking forward to that report uh, bearing fruit later this year so that we can again see what the evidence is. And in terms of people who are currently attending courses, we know that 84% tell us that as a result of the course, they will be far more considerate road users. And I think that is a really strong, um, you know, say on what the drivers themselves, the offenders themselves think of our course. Let's just think about the, th- the three hours you get with somebody on a Zoom call or, or in a classroom again now. Um, what are the components there that, that need to be in place to maximise the chances of, of that behaviour change success? I'm thinking of an inspiring presenter, a, a willing attendee and some great content. Perhaps you can elaborate on, on those components and any others that I've missed. Well, firstly, um, I'd just like to clarify, it's not a Zoom call. Uh, Zoom is one of a number of platforms that our course providers use to run a professional course run by a professional trained trainer who is usually uh, a very experienced driving instructor. And I think they can therefore stand at the front of a course, talk to attendees and give good experience and challenge Um, We must never forget it's an alternative to a criminal justice outcome. And that is very, very clear when we offer somebody the course. We developed this course during the past two years, during the pandemic, but we did it with the support of our research development unit, which consists of several highly trained behavioural change specialists and lecturers. And with their support and help, we developed an online course that is equivalent to the classroom course and it is very, very effective. And that's what the surveys are telling us when clients leave the course, both our own survey, but also the survey of police forces and providers. So yes, I do think it is as effective as the classroom course. But again, we must review and make sure that we don't move away from the fundamental desire of the course, which is about changing behaviour and making road users safer road users by choice. Chief Constable Joe Shiner, if if I can refer to the, the new NPCC roads policing strategy, you write that every one of us must share the responsibility to influence the way in which our roads are respected and used. How's that going to work in practice? And particularly thinking of of how you reach those unreachable high-risk drivers and riders. So part of that builds on what Ruth has just said uh, around making sure that prevention is absolutely writ large in terms of what we're all trying to achieve here. And preventing harm and saving lives is a key part of our strategy. Uh, The reason that I say that every one of us must share that responsibility to influence the way in which our roads are respected and used is because every single person who uses the road space, whether or not that's a car driver, whether it's a cyclist, whether it's a horse rider, uh, pedestrian, it's everyone's responsibility to be very aware of who is around them and, and what their behaviours are and what are your own behaviours uh, and what is around you. And actually, if everybody did that, we would significantly reduce the number of collisions. Of course, there is always going to be, as there is in society, the harder to reach groups in relation to those who actually are already driving illegally. They may not even have a licence. They may not have insurance. Indeed, 
Sometimes they may be uh, driving a stolen car um, or driving dangerously in another way. Uh, and that's really important that as policing and other agencies continue to, dry to uh, try to enforce that, uh, and also those agencies who are responsible for their own drivers as well. Uh, but what's important is that for those people that we can influence to take responsibility for their behaviours and to be aware of those other people around them, that's what we, nearly, we really need to continue to strive to do and then address the other criminality in a much more robust way. I'd like to change the topic slightly and consider the, the issue of private e-scooters. 82% of all e-scooter casualties and 11 deaths in 2021 what should the police role be in reducing danger, bearing in mind, uh, as you've said, you can't have officers on every city street corner, but how can the police, what's their role in bringing those casualties down? So, so, so I wouldn't actually necessarily segregate e-scooters out from, any of what, from, from much of what I've already said. They are another vehicle within that public space that can cause uh, minimal damage or can cause actually um, deaths, as we have already seen. It is, once again, the e-scooter on its own isn't the risk. It's the person who is driving or riding or changing it, adapting it, and not being responsible um, in the way in which they do that. Now, what's really important is that the law around it still currently means that e-scooters are not legal to use in a public space. Um, they are only legal for use in a completely private space. Um, but the law is changing around that. And of course, there's going to be a considerable amount of work going on over the next few months, even years, uh, which will look at what that then looks like. And uh, as policing, of course, will influence that uh, and then see where that goes in terms of the law enforcement. But what we mustn't do is to separate e-scooters out from other forms of transport, because whilst e-scooters e have developed, we've also now got monoboards and all sorts of other things that we see being driven around. So it's about that alternative mobility and us recognising and continuing to try to influence that personal responsibility, once again, changing minds of people who are using the road space in any capacity. Ruth Purdy, if I may, let's talk about driver distraction. It's without doubt one of the most significant emerging threats to road safety. Do you think that there would be the prospect of, of a course from UK Road to, to deal with some of the issues connected with distraction? Or is it firmly seen as so dangerous that it would no longer be kind of possible to have a course for it and it must be a criminal justice outcome for someone who, let's say, caught on their phone? Well, James, the law changed, as you know, not so long ago, and it was deemed such a serious offence, and it does have too much impact on our road casualty and fatality figures, the inappropriate and illegal use of mobile phones by drivers and pedestrians, actually, who pose a risk because they are not aware of their surroundings when they're using phones, but perhaps that's a discussion for another day. But the law was changed and six points and a £200 fine reflects the seriousness of this offence. And society supported that change. So it was felt then by the police lead uh, for our courses that it was inappropriate to offer a course when you know, the punishment is, is reflective of what is a serious offence. So at the moment, we do not run a course, although we have in the past. Now, um, it may change, uh, but at the moment, that is our position. 
Let's turn our attention to a new area of potential opportunities for UK ROAD in the prevention arena. What do you think you can contribute there? And perhaps you can give us a, a little insight into what might be coming. Well, I have a clear vision from my own board and it's supported by the Road Safety Trust to deal with people who have offended to make sure that they do not re-offend. And that's the changing minds, changing behaviours piece. But I think we also need to look at preventing offending in the first place. I'm a huge fan of a lifelong journey for all road users and one that must be revisited time and time again. And I hope in the future that we will see more of that journey mapped out with legislation, policy and procedure. In terms of our own vision for preventing offending, we have an expertise in UK ROED. We develop effective courses for a variety of offences that do make a difference. And it is only right that we use that expertise to educate people from a prevent offending perspective to help them be safer and more considerate road users. So we are currently looking at three strands and we are working in partnership to develop these strands, but they will be along the young drivers route, people who are about to start their journey as a driver, as a vehicle user on the road, perhaps somebody who's just passed their test to make sure that they fully understand the implications of what they've taken on. A thing I'm really keen on is the issue of passengers with young drivers because we see far too many fatalities and stories in newspapers throughout the UK of a driver and often three or four young people with the driver who contribute too much, in my view, to our fatality rates. We're also going to look at the older driver. Uh, people are living longer. They value their independence. It's a really important thing to them. But we must make sure that people are safe to drive as they go into their later years. So we're looking at working with uh, mobility experts to see if we can help and advise older drivers on eyesight tests, are they safe to drive, planning journeys, etc. And perhaps it might include advice on a very difficult conversation and one, in my view, must be dealt with with respect, is the conversation about maybe now is the time to stop and finish my journey as a, as a, as a driver of a, of a vehicle on the roads. So we're looking at those two areas. And then we often, from our clients, people who attend courses, they say they're so impressed with the course. I wish my sister, my brother, my mother, my father, my cousin, my friend should do this course. We shouldn't have to commit an offence to be offered it. And with that mandate in mind, we are developing a driver refresh course because we know most of the people who attend our courses are just over the speed limit. They're often near their own home in a place that they know quite well. And I would say complacency is perhaps what causes them in the main to offend. And one of the main reasons is people forget how to read the road. They forget how to work out what is the speed limit on this particular road. So we're going to develop a course around refreshing driver's skills and knowledge to help them be more considerate 
and better road users. That's very exciting. Um, Joe Shiner, can I bring you in on that and just ask for your advice on that? Because partnerships are so important. So no one organisation can do that um, alone. You know, who are the partners that that should be involved with the sorts of activity um, Ruth has outlined there? I mean, they're, they're, I wholeheartedly, absolutely um, support the direction. Uh, and, and of course, you know, very, very grateful for the energy that Ruth and her team put into developing this. I'd probably even go a stage further, really, um, that when you and having having done um uh, not because uh, i've committed an offense but because i'm genuinely interested in actually experiencing what those courses are like um having sat in on a couple of those uh, i actually think that those courses uh, should be certainly available to uh, and if not mandatory for people to actually do before they get their license um, because I think often it's after the offence that people do those courses uh, and why would we not want to give those prevention messages which are really impactful before they actually get their full licence. Now what that looks like I'm sure is going to take some time to work through because what we can also then start to incorporate in some of that is the increasing uh, emergence of drink and drug driving particularly and some of the messages around why that is absolutely not acceptable for you or any of the passengers or anybody around you uh, in order to do that. So almost a wider uh, prevention course as well before people even get their licence. Now some people see that as quite radical. Uh, I don't. I see it as saving lives. And I see it as actually making sure that we do bolt the door before the horse has gone out of it, uh, to use that analogy. So I'm really, really keen on making sure that we do front load as much prevention as we possibly can into the whole licensing system of our drivers in this country. Thank you very much. Now, for both of you, I've got just one more question. I'd like some advice, really. Advice for the Project Edward team ahead of the week of action, which begins on Monday. Joe Shiner, uh, three tips, one tip. What what could we do that might make more of a difference and uh, and make that week of action worthwhile? Well, I think you already do a brilliant job of amplifying those messages and uh, bringing home what the consequences the tragic, fatal consequences of people's behaviour on the roads could be. Uh, So my tip would be to continue with the energy, the drive, the professionalism and the commitment that you already show. Uh, And I truly believe, and it's about policing our roads together, and policing our roads together is about every single one of us, every single one of us uh, trying to continue to prevent Uh, those road deaths and those serious injuries that we see. So my advice is keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. And Ruth Purdy, I have to say, you said yes to Project Edward seven years ago. Um, I'm wondering if you've got some advice for where it could be heading, what it could be doing better now and in the years to come. And perhaps particularly for this coming week, I suppose. Let's not get too carried away. Well, where have those seven years gone, James? And... I often wonder how many people have we reached in those seven years. We started off with a small number and I I think for one day a few years ago there was 32 million people around Europe that engaged with the Project Edward story. And one thing that sticks in my mind is road victims and their families, road victims and the communities who were affected. And there's always an inspiring story 
that emerges from Project Edward, where you have brought comfort to a family who are feeling the effects of a fatality. And I think if you can bring that message to victims of people who have been killed on the roads, then they know that they've got somebody who's rooting for them, hears their, hear their story, and understand what they're going through. But they also know that there's a huge body now of energy around stretching the road safety message to make sure it's everybody's responsibility. So I think look for those inspiring stories because they do matter and you just never know who is watching. And secondly, if I may, um, we can't do this alone. We must do it in partnership. So keep seeking key partnerships from people that can really make a difference. And one group I would particularly be interested in you reaching would be those people who drive at work because they can make a difference and change behaviour that people do outside of work but think that it doesn't affect them at work and it does. So uh, those are my two pieces of information but I can only concur with what uh, the Chief Constable has said is please keep bringing your energy because it does make a huge difference. Ruth Purdy, OBE. And we also heard from Chief Constable Joe Shiner. And that brings this week's edition to a close. Do take some time to follow the progress of the Project Edward Week of Action starting bright and early on Monday. And we'll be back next Friday with another episode of the podcast. So do subscribe. Do tell your friends to tune in as well. Spread the word as far and wide as you can. But for now, for this episode from me, James Luckhurst, it's goodbye. And thanks for listening.